1: Welcome along to episode 672 of the Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, we will be celebrating the 25th anniversary of Love, Shine, A Light, winning the original song contest for Katrina and the Waves. Kimberly Roo, the man behind the music who wrote that song and other hits for Katrina and the Waves too. As well as Lee Caveberry will be joining us for a bit of a natter all about what that and their other work. We'll be joined by Michael McKell. He is playing Cliff in We Will Rock You. That's coming up at the Grand in a couple of weeks' time, so we'll be well, we're finding out all about that show. We'll be having an hour with Dr. Alex George, talking all about how we need to have conversations around our mental health. Carol Harrison joins us to tell us about All or Nothing, which is at the Theatre on the Steps in June. Uh, that is celebrating the music of the small faces. Zoe Turner will be along to let us know what Schiffen are doing to mark the Platinum Jubilee of Queen Elizabeth II, as they have got a fantastic series of events right the way from the Thursday through to the Sunday. And we'll be talking about the wonderful Shakespeare Festival, Brought to the stage, the outdoor stage at Stafford Castle by the Stafford Gatehouse. Keith Harrison telling us all about that and loads of other great gigs coming up at the venue too. That's all on the way on the show this week. Over the long bank holiday weekend to mark the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, there are all sorts of events taking place in Shifnal. Zoe Turner is here to tell me more about what's going on. Hello. Hello. So uh, how are you involved in all this? What's going on?
2: I'm a councillor on Shifnal Town Council.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm also a member of a community group called Shifnal Matters. Um, and, and it's sort of one of the events is like a joint event that both, both parties are organising. So um, that's how I'm involved in it, as it were. Um, and then the other events on here are from the local church, who we do have
3: quite close ties to.
1: Yes, St and Andrews have a Thanksgiving service on the Sunday, as well as yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, being involved in a, an awful lot of other stuff. Because uh, there's, there's a huge amount of flyers. You've given me a lots of information on all this. So, there so is basically, a lot of
2: information.
1: it's Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. So Friday, you get to see all the stuff that's going on on telly. Is that the way it works?
2: You can do, or oh, there is still quite a lot of. I mean, a lot of places in town are having like their, their own street parties. Or mm-hmm. some of the shops are, are like um, doing best decorated window. I think there's a fancy dress competition around the pubs as well. So, um, you know, there's going to be something even on the, the Thursday. It's just we, we don't have the details of it here. And, yeah, so on the whole
1: four
2: days, you know, for for visitors and for people that live in the town. It's just going to be one long party and holiday. Well, I do like to say, you've
1: got a family fun day on the second. I'm looking at the list. You've got pub teams, tug of war, a colour run, kids' fancy dress, vintage classic cars, uh centre stage musical, ice cream, which is going to be fab, and um, you've got the dog show as well. So there's, there's all sorts of stuff actually happening. So yeah, how does it all work? How do you get involved in this? Is it just a case of turn up on the day?
2: Um, if you want to, because we do have still have some spots left for some of the shows, like the, the dog show,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, the colour run, there's still some places left in the afternoon. And if you're a craft store or an art store or you've got an old car or an old tractor, we still do have a few places left so you can book onto those first. Obviously, we want to make sure that everybody can get on, so we don't mm-hmm. want to be overrun.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, we're asking people to, to book for those through um Eventbrite. Okay. Um So if you just go to Eventbrite and search um, Fund Funday, it should come up um, or there'll be links on Schiffner Matters 2021 Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Um, And also I'll put them on my uh, Twitter accounts and things like that as well. So that'll be Zoe Turner. Um, so yeah, you just need to book on because um, there is a small charge for the vehicles and obviously the arts and craft stores. And there is um I think it's seven pounds and pence or something for the colour run. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really good because actually it's a lovely little thing. You get like um a medal afterwards and it's in the shape of like for the Queen's Jubilee, and it says on the back of the date and 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 where you, you did the colour run. Yeah. And you get like um a band as well and obviously a bottle of water to refresh you afterwards as well. So <laughs> So yeah, if, you, if that that's really good, and it's for children from six upwards. So, you know, it's supposed to be like for a family event because it's only a short course. So if you're a proper runner, um, you know, you, you, I don't want to just dis- people to end up thinking it's going to be like three or four miles because it isn't. It's it's probably about a mile and a half, but it's just a bit of fun on the day. So.
1: And, and that's what all this is about. It's about getting everyone together in the community and having a great time, uh, marking yeah. the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, and um, but doing it in a, in a way which builds community spirit, which is exactly what the whole day is about. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, are you old enough to remember the Silver Jubilee back in the day? Um, how many
2: was that? 21? <laughs> 1977. <That's amazing>. 1977. <laughs> Oh yeah, I do just about. I've, I I've, I've,
1: a party. I was five and I remember stuff. This sort of happening. Yeah. But this this is the first real, yeah, massive one because it's the first time we've ever had a Platinum Jubilee in, in the UK. And uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it, with everything you got going on on that sort of fun day, that's going to be amazing. But then you've got the fair on Saturday.
2: Yeah, there's the that's at the St Andrew's Church. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. That's in the, in the church grounds, and that's from midday till 4 p.m. And there's loads there as well, lots of cakes, so lots of food, bouncy castles. Well, th- there's hook
1: a face-painting the bubble stall, making yeah. crowns. Uh, I mean, uh, you, you've already got a crown, I think, haven't you? Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll get, get that out over the weekend, Join it up and uh, yeah, walk Yeah, town yeah I it. think so,
1: doing your, <laughs> doing your queen impression. Uh, but yeah. uh, there's another, another tug of war. Tug of war seems to be quite popular uh, in Shifnal.
2: Yeah, well, we—I think everybody's trying to to get some of the older traditional fair mm-hmm. games. If you see what I mean, because yeah. obviously it's a, a seventy-year reign, and what we find for now isn't necessarily what was in place at the start when um, she took over the reign. So I think some—they're they're trying to find some of the older games for people to play so. that's all
1: a bit of fun so that's all going to be good so yeah. that's that's uh, 12 through 4 and uh the Royal Park Jubilee Fair and this was uh at St Andrew's so uh that's that's all taking place on a Saturday
2: yeah and um I'm looking forward to the Sunday to be fair because there's um a grand picnic
1: <laughs> <laughs> with, with a brass band people what more they? could you ask for
2: yeah, yeah. So um, I'm really looking forward to that. So I'll be taking my picnic round and, and a chair and everything else. And I hope, and hopefully, the, the weather's supposed to be nice. I think so.
1: Fingers crossed. So it's looking good. Yeah. I, think, I think these things. Are, yeah, we don't we don't want any rain on the parade, particularly when there's a jubilee parade in the morning as well. Uh, that's all starting yeah. uh, at the uh, well been led by the Royal British Legion, and uh, you're meeting at the War Memorial Club at 10 a.m. So uh, that's worth uh, being part of as well. And so yes. making it yeah, a, a, a walk fun around day. the town. Yeah. So
2: they'll walk around the town on that and then it ends back up at the church for the Thanksgiving service at eleven. Um and that and they are going to be doing that outdoors as well if it's nice, um, which they did on Easter Sunday and it was lovely to have everybody outside and the sun shining and it was it was a lovely service. So and obviously they can speak to more people, more people than than like just going in the church. So that'll be really nice for Sunday. So a little short walk around. Um, some thanksgiving and then some food what more can you ask for
1: no it sounds brilliant it sounds like shift really getting yeah. on board with the whole celebrations to mark the queen's platinum jubilee it sounds absolutely brilliant and uh, so uh, various groups all coming together and having a great time so give us all those details again and where we can find out more get yourself booked in if you want to be involved on the thursday fun day uh, which is if you've got a vintage vehicle uh, whether you want to be part of the craft fair or uh, the other events taking place including the colour run
2: yeah, so you can well you can um, either email any questions to at gmail.com. You can go on the Shiftmill Matters Facebook page, which is Shiftmill Matters twenty twenty one. We're advertising it all on there as well. Um, or the obviously St Andrew's Church have got their own Facebook page as well, although a lot of their stuff ends up on ours. Um, or you can find out on the Eventbrite section as well. So if you just go to the Eventbrite website which is eventbrite.co.uk just search for shift or fun day. And and it'll all come up there, what we're doing. And if you want to book onto anything as well, like the colour run or the dog um, competition as well, actually, Um, because, obviously, we don't want to make sure that we've got just enough dogs to be uh, yeah. nice and entertaining, but not too
1: many. <laughs> <laughs> things have to be got right. It's just a few weeks away, not far off now. All coming up. It yeah. is the 2nd through to the 5th of June, Friday. There's going to be loads of events in the village anyway, but uh, mostly it's about... Uh, Thursday and that family fun day, Saturday with the fair at St Andrews and the events taking place at the uh, Wall Memorial Club and uh, through to St Andrews later on on that Sunday. And of course, loads of other stuff as well. And I think by the same things, all the pubs in the town are making uh, an effort too. So it's going to be great.
2: Yeah, yeah. All the pubs and the shops, they're all, um, you know, trying to decorate themselves and and do fun things as well. So,
1: as ever, it's fantastic to talk to you, Zoe Turner. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you very much.
1: With Eurovision on the way, and an amazing show we're expecting from Italy. It's 25 years since Love Shine a Light was a massive winner for the UK. Katrina and the Waves of the band, Kimberly Roo, the writer, and I'm joined now by Kimberly and also by Lee K. Berry to tell me more about what it's like to celebrate this anniversary. Hello to you both. Hello,
0: Hi, Jason. nice to see you. Well, good to see you <laughs>
1: too. And uh, it, it, it is one to mark, isn't it? Because uh, the Eurovision is notoriously difficult to win and incredibly difficult for the UK to win and has been uh, for probably th- more than 40 years. So for you guys to come in in 1997 and absolutely blow the world out of the water when they heard your amazing song, Love Shine a Light, uh, it, it, was, it must have been a, a glorious evening for you all.
4: Oh, of course. You know, you know what success is like. You know that Roggio Re- Kipling poem? Uh, you know, if you can look those two imposters in the face, uh, what is it? Success and failure or something like that. <laughs> you know, you'll be a man, my son, uh, or possibly even a woman. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what it is, exactly what it's like. You know, like that poem is the last thing that's going through your head at that point. You know, you are just swept along. By oh, the whole glorious uh, um, thing. Uh, in fact, we were actually swept along because we were bundled into a car and taken to meet the uh, president of Ireland, who at the time was Mary Robinson. And uh, the weird thing was, she didn't come to the Eurovision gig. She didn't come to the show. She was actually at a party, and we were taken to this party. And you know, and they said to us, you know, okay, this is a uh, uh, this is Mary Robinson, the president of Ireland. And we all said hello. And then they swept us back into the car and took us away again. So there you go. That's what life is like at the top.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> rock and roll uh, in, in a peculiar way very often. But, I mean, cause you, you'd, but you'd known success with Katrina and the Waves anyway. And you also wrote uh, Walking on Sunshine. So uh, you know, th- th- we, we can see pension plan looming in both of these tracks. Uh, but,
4: uh, <laughs> no, you can't borrow any. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's such fun music, and I, I think that's part of what won it. It was it was catchy, uh, and it, it really just sort of drew everybody in. And, and, and from the uh, the nation voting for it to be the uh, the UK's Eurovision entry that year after it was played on uh, Terry Wogan Show on Radio Two. Uh, you, you knew you got a good one there, but then again, you, being the musicians that you all were in the band and still are, uh, you, you know it when you hear it anyway. Absolutely, yeah.
4: I mean, um, you know, people say to me, um, you know, didn't you write that song, Walking on Sunshine? You know, and then, and then I say yes, and then they say, well, why don't you write another one like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Well, I do, I write them all the time, or I think that, that that's what they are you know, but um, it's, uh, I think it is the public. You know, it's very, I mean, pop music is very democratic. You know, it really is decided on the popular votes. Um, you know, people, either they like it or they don't. And, um, you know, uh, but I'm extremely lucky. I mean, they have liked me twice
1: in my life. <laughs> but yeah, two, but two, two great hits. I mean, and, and Lee, uh, I mean, what, what, what's it like for you uh, in your role in all of this?
0: Um, well, yeah, I'm kind of like the tech person, the bass player, the <laughs> vocalist. <laughs> well, I should explain that uh, we, like,
4: like we have spent uh, the last 25 years, uh, Lee and I, uh, as um, an icon and a musical icon. I mean, there is a thing called Lim- Kim-, Lim and it. Lim and key,
0: Kim and Lee. Yeah, there is a right. thing
4: called Kim and Lee. And we've,
0: we've actually made something like 13 albums together since Katrina and the Woe split. <laughs> Uh
4: and uh, we you know, there is a thing called uh, I mean without wanting to advertise another radio station. <laughs> there, there is a thing called Mike Reed's Heritage Show and we are what they call these days heritage artists mm-hmm. and we you know we get played on that along with like the Slade Suite and everybody else. Yeah, three six five. Yeah, and so yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mean, that's what we that's what we've been doing.
0: Yeah, we have had current chart success, success, but no, not many people know about
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, 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 it's still selling great music. I mean, that's what it's all about. And it's that creativity. And when you have your songs covered, which has happened to you on a number of occasions, but, but particularly for the 2020 Eurovision event that uh, couldn't happen because of COVID, and the, the fact that you had all the artists that year singing your song, came I mean, that must have been awesome.
4: Yeah, that was nice. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, there was an element with Love, Shine of the Lights. I mean, if there was any deliberation about it at all, of trying to write something that would be kind of universal to everybody, and actually, in a strange sort of way, that works in 2020. You know, it was a song that you know, everybody could, like, contribute a line to and join in, and, um, you know, there are other, I mean other great eurovision songs are available i mean it could have been it could yeah. have been waterloo but i mean it, it, it wasn't, wasn't the right so, song at the right uh, time yeah but I,
0: mean, I think i, I think what i was i what think it. i was very impressed with the eurovision committee for actually choosing that considering brexit and everything and um, pandemic it was amazing to choose a british song for that um Good and voice. um and also how amazing because kimberly actually won it twice <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that's <laughs> nice actually
4: because i mean that particular year we just told the rest of europe that we were like we were leaving europe you know <laughs> so they could have been forgiven, forgiven yeah talk today but <laughs> uh, not choosing a british song as their infant
0: yes 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 like
1: yeah but yes, so, it's twenty-five years, and uh, uh, what will you be doing? Will you be raising glass to Eurovision uh, due to it uh, helping to provide the lifestyle to which you become accustomed on uh, on Saturday night?
4: Oh, absolutely! I mean, we'll be um yeah. like, Either we'll either be gigging,
5: yeah. or
4: recovering, or watching Eurovision, or um, or chasing by recordings. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, the great advantage of that. Of that is is that, um, well, I don't think you even need to record things these days. You just, I mean, the whole of the past is not like available to you, isn't <laughs> it? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, there is this format on, on, uh, on the contest on the night where um, you have your, your 25 songs and everybody has their own stage set. The sort of this, the spectacular stage set is very much a part of the presentation So they have to set up and pack away a set 25 times in the evening. So, you know, when they introduce a song, when you see that at home on the telly, um, you know, first of all, you'll see a little kind of inspirational video.
1: They're postcards, yeah.
4: Yeah, and actually that means, while you're seeing that. That's what they're doing Like in the venue. They're actually setting up the stage, you know, and packing up the uh, previous guys' uh, stage sets.
0: So we might
4: fast wine through that. As a
0: matter of interest, what do the audience in the venue see when they're doing that? Uh,
4: they see uh, a lot of stations running around, kind of fiddling about with drum kits <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, fireworks and uh, lighting, you know, whatever it is. People need these days to get noticed. Do
0: they see the same video as, as everybody else at um, home or not? I think, I think the video
4: think? might be up on the big screen. I was going to say that research. they
0: talk amongst themselves. <laughs> or... <laughs> yeah, there's a kind of appreciated
4: ripple of uh, informed comments running, running <laughs> around the auditorium. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like good. a cricket match you know?
1: <laughs> 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 but would you do it all again if you, if you had the opportunity say 2023 song needed writing uh, and, and they, they picked up the phone and said Kimberly you, you, yeah. you, you, what, what are you going to do are you, you going to put us a number together would you do it
4: well I wouldn't say no you can't have any of my songs go away <laughs> 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 I mean what would be the point I'd say look I've written um, you know as Lee was saying I've been uh, like active for the last quarter century, since you last called me. And, <laughs> you know, all, my, all my stuff is available. You can press up stuff, you know, or, you know yeah. my stuff, Lee's stuff, all joint compositions, all the rest of it. And, yeah. you know, have a listen and help yourself.
1: So yeah, yeah, it yeah. Could, I mean, that could I mean, work. Well, so there's a lot of stuff out there. If, if we were going to be suggesting to either the listening public or the Eurovision Selection Committee uh, where they can go to to find your work, where can we find you online these days?
0: Well, we well, we have, uh, well obviously we have Facebook accounts, we have Twitter accounts, uh, we have websites. We've got uh, kimandlee.co.uk. we've got com and Lee as well. Um, and we also have um yeah, uh, Kimberly Kimberly has a YouTube um account with lots of videos as well. Some of them he's illustrated himself. This is pretty good at artwork, believe it yeah.
4: or not. Yeah, put printing. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's a sort of cartoon. Uh,
4: style, but it's very so good. So it's party. easy to scrape the point off the
1: screen. <laughs> <laughs> Have a fantastic time reliving the, uh, the moments in your mind for the 25th anniversary of Love Shine. I like doing its stuff. Have a wonderful time watching the original. Brilliant time on stage. Keep yes. churning out. We want another 13 or 14 albums out of you, at least in the next couple of years. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> uh, uh, Leah Kim, thank you for joining us.
4: Thank
0: you very much, thank Thank you, Jason. Thanks for asking it.
1: We will rock you or we'll be taking to the stage at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre from the 23rd through to the 28th of May. A fusion of a story by Ben Elton and the magical music of Queen. It is a show which will impress just for the 24 Queen hits that are in there. Michael McHale is playing the part of Cliff and joins me now to tell me more about the show. Hello, sir. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, and uh, it must be great being part of uh, an amazing show. I mean, this it's got the music, it's got the story. It, it, the, the, there isn't anything it hasn't got, and the setting in this current tour is even bigger than before.
5: Yeah, um, it is the 20th anniversary, as you said, in your you run-up. And I was there on the opening night, in fact, 20 years ago, when Robert De Niro was in the audience, because Robert's one of the co-producers. And I sort of got it then. It's pure entertainment. I was fortunate enough I'd seen Queen five times, and it was, it was a bit of a strange one. In our opening week in Portsmouth, Brian came on stage and played on Bohemian Rhapsody. And the last time I'd seen him play that live, I was in the audience. It was four days after John Lennon had been shot. And uh, so it was a, a really interesting... Like Because when he came on, bearing in mind that this story, if anyone... <laughs> looks at it it opens with it's about the time when crowds cannot gather when life is lived online education's mm-hmm. online music's online and i think you know we've just been through that for 22 months so there's a little bit of healing process going on in the first five rows when brian stepped out to play the guitar that he and his father had made together uh literally the first five rows were in tears and he looked around so most of our cars so it was It was like, right, this is the first week. How are we going to get through a tour of this? We can't be crying (laughs) at the end of every show. I mean, you have did
1: so much TV and film that you, you, you've got to be moved by every one of these projects in some way. And that's how you bring these things to life. And the fact that this show can do that and regularly does that is for people who keep coming back. I mean, you must see phases in the front row that, you know, you've seen elsewhere on the tour and in
5: previous productions. It's one of those weird ones in that obviously because of the uh, movie, there's been a resurgence. So there probably was a time when it was diehard Queen fans, but it, it's now a new wave of Queen fans. Um, and it also, you know, it, Ben has written this. I've been fortunate. It's the third time I've worked with Ben. Mm-hmm. He directed me in uh, Broad Stewart's Tonight Tonight and also a TV show called Bless. And now, because this was the 20th anniversary, Ben wanted to come and direct this. So, you know, I know his work. I'm very comfortable with his comedy. And this is a man that's written hit TV comedy shows across you know, four generations. Mm-hmm. So he is like, uh, uh, you know, four decades. He's like, he's a brilliant, brilliant writer. So he understands live because he does stand up. Obviously the, the legacy of Queen's live work, everyone, whether you're a Queen fan or not, will remember that 22 minutes of Live Aid when literally Freddie showed everyone how to do it. Um, so it's part of the backdrop of our modern lives. Um, I was just, I was talking to somebody the other day, it was uh, Jeanette, in fact, yesterday, and she said, you know, she's 70 years old. She said, but she remembers that day. She remembers that day of live. I did, and I, I did an interview for the BBC uh, this morning, and he said, I was 16, and I remember just being sitting in front of my TV and watching Freddie, just literally hold call cool, um, because it was an extraordinary performance. And so there is a, a responsibility And that's the way I approach it, because I am older. Uh, I started my fledgling into this business. I was signed to a phonogram at 19, then two solo deals, Warner Brothers, EMI. So I've had record deals. I understand that. That's where it came from, then went into acting. So it's a a legacy you have a responsibility to as a, a performer. You know, the song that I sing, written by Roger Taylor, Days of Our Lives, is... If anyone knows the history of Queen, was Freddie's last pop run shot in black and white, and, and I have a responsibility for that, and that. So it's performed. You know some of the performers in this, Jenny O'Leary, you know, Adam Strong, you know, they are, you know, Ian McIntosh, Eddie Sky. They, they are extraordinary singers that sing with a little bit more than with heart, with soul. Mm-hmm. It's, it, and it connects. And because the music is part of our backdrop, there's a, you know, it, it's, it's instant. And we literally have been ripping the roof off of every theatre. We, we played to 40,000 people in uh, to, uh, two weeks in Cardiff. So it's an extraordinary show mm-hmm. uh, with an extraordinary legacy and, and a responsibility to that legacy.
1: Yeah, because I mean, people will know the music. I mean, you talk about days. I mean, it's double A side with Bohemian Rhapsody after Freddie's tragic death, and so songs yeah. which have have been up there and are part of people's psyche. And yeah, kids can come along to the show and they know Bohemian Rhapsody, whether they're something that their parents have played them, they've seen it in their uh, Mike Myers work in the past. You know, however, yeah, yeah. these songs have been brought to them. They're they're part of the fabric of our life. And with yeah, the you, you talk about the fact that this is a, the kind of dystopian world which uh, uh, is is all online and 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 the experiences we had it's going to identify with people even more
5: and do you think that shapes your performance as well with everything with a film with a tv show with a play it's about the script first so we are being very fortunate i can be funny because benny's funny mm-hmm. he writes funny okay um so it's you you have again a responsibility to your writer to have your writer direct you as well is even better because no one knows better than him. Uh, and the one thing I, although I wasn't a great scholar at school, um, the one thing I did learn is just choose who you listen to in life. And Ben's one of the few people to that I listen to because I know he knows.
1: And, and, and he's written for you in the past. So directing you in this role, he knows how he wants
5: you to, to work. Well, he sort of created this role of Cliff as well. The original um, character of pop was played by nigel Planer. He talked and told the show and what ben has done is he's, he's created a different character that is a rebel leader that is more of a thread not a narrator but he carries you through the show because these two kids that escape um global soft to in this quest for this fabled musical instrument that's somewhere on the i planet they meet me and i lead them on this we go on this quest together sort of like Uh, a futuristic Wizard of Oz, sort of like, it might be an amalgam of the Tin Man and probably the the (laughs) Scarecrow. Well, it's...
1: An amazing show. We know that from the reviews. We know that from sixteen million people having seen it. And this sort of development of it is just taking it further. As it gets bigger and more amazing, as it tours and taking it out on the road again, it, it's bringing it to the people who need to hear this music again and perform live in the right way. Yeah, and there's almost like a
5: there's a it, it's it delivers what's on the ten. And we will take you away for two and a half hours. You will forget all your problems. We'll entertain you. We'll make you laugh. We'll make you sing. And you'll be standing on your feet shouting for more. I guarantee it.
1: Absolutely. It is Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre, the 23rd through to the 28th of May. We will rock you. 01902 429212 is a box office number. Grandtheatre.co.uk to get your tickets for what is an absolute must-see show. Check out online for any fantastic ticket deals there. And, be part of it. It's kind of living your life in that way, isn't it?
5: Yeah, yeah. I'm very, as I said, I'm very fortunate to be doing this. I've got my 37th movie, movie comes out this year, Prizefighter, uh, with Ray Winston, Matt Hawkins, and Marshall Crowe, which I managed to shoot in Lithuania during all this craziness. Uh, and I recorded an album in lockdown called The Last Picture Show, which will start dropping tracks soon. So I'm very fortunate to be out there, working live, doing what I love. Um, and being paid for
1: it an amazing trilogy of projects there check out michael mckill online if you haven't already seen all that he has going on but for now thank you for joining us thank you sir Next week is Mental Health Awareness Week. And having a conversation around your own mental health seems to be a bit of a blocker for many people. Tell us more. I'm joined now by Dr. Alex George, UK Young Mental Health Ambassador. That's a grand title.
6: Well, uh, (laughs) it does sound a grand title, doesn't it? Nice to see you, Jason.
1: How are you? I'm good. and good to see you again. And with so many people having had... A very rough time during the pandemic lockdown and beyond uh with the concerns that they've got around probably finances and a lot of other things going on in the world at the moment mental health is very much in the fore and having a conversation is a vitally important starting point
6: it, it is it is and uh, it's interesting because the the research uh, commissioned by fitbit found that actually only about 40 percent of us are talking when it comes to our mental health and and i think it is a, a realistic picture of where we're at. We're making definite improvements, and I suspect probably that figure would be lower even five years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's important, to, as you said there, really, it's, it's learning that, yes, you know, that all the help in the world can be out there in terms of services and all the things we'd love to have to make sure everyone gets the support they need is there. But if you're not able to vocalise the situation you're in, uh, then you're not going to be able to access that support. I think that's what's, that's what's really important. And when it comes to situations, you look at, around my brother, you know, Shia, when we lost him, he didn't talk to us about the situation that he was in. Mm-hmm. So we would have given, we would have moved heaven and earth to support him whatever way he needed to. But you have to make that step of vocalising the scenario that you're, that you're facing. And um, But one of the positive things we're seeing as well from research is that talking to a close family member, you know, 22% of people choosing to do that, which is a positive thing. And also people actually aware, aware now, I think particularly since the pandemic, of the importance of things like sleep, Uh, You know, healthy eating habits, exercise and and self-care. I think that's something that's really increased, I think, particularly in that positive side of mental well-being, you know, is understanding that looking after yourself can help prevent maybe difficult times from coming.
1: Absolutely. And so exercise will release uh, hormones in the body, which are going to make you feel better. And uh, through that sort of thing, you you can you can self-help. And even if you don't want to to speak out to a health professional, certainly, I mean, talk to your friends and family and maybe do it whilst going for a bit of a walk and measuring it with a Fitbit.
6: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, you know, life is all about uh, looking at the different kind of pieces, of the jigsaw puzzle and what pieces might be missing. And there's no one thing that fixes everything. You know, going out for a run is going to cure everything in life. But that as as part of an overall picture, when you think about each aspect of what makes your well-being and what makes your, your life, you know, each aspect and working on each individual thing can overall, you know, improve that picture. As you said, you know, talking about mental health doesn't have to be done in like sat down at a table or very serious conversation about it. It can be done going a walk or going for a drive. It's about interacting with a person in a way that you feel comfortable and choosing the right person as well. It's something that you think that can, kind of understand or listen. And it's not about expecting, you know, if you're the person listening as well, you're not there to fix a person, right? Okay, you know, unless you're the psychiatrist, the the GP or the mental health support worker, you're, you're there as a friend or family member or as a colleague. And so just listening and saying, look, I'm going to be here with you. And this is, you know, I'm going to be here to support you. And this is what we're going to do, you know, not trying to fix them. So the first part is listening and the second part is signposting. So Mm -hmm. it's always helpful for people to know where they can kind of direct people to get support. So I will say, you know, uh, I mean, there's a few places uh, for that you can really direct people. But Hub of Hope is a fantastic one because it's basically a website that people can um, go on Hub of Hope. Put the postcode in as to where you are, and it'll tell you all the support services that are in that area, charity and otherwise. So it's a good one to remember because hard to remember all the individuals sometimes, but that mm-hmm. is a good one, I think.
1: So Hub of Hope is one thing to look out for. But it's like, it is about having that conversation. So like, We're not expecting EO be able to fix, but no. actually having that chat. And, and even if you're going for a, a walk or run alone, it's having that time where your mind can actually work through the issues that you're seeing on a day-to-day basis rather than just having them all bottled up whilst you're too busy to get on and and, and actually have some time for you.
6: Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely right. I think it's just being aware. Self-awareness is an important thing. And, you know, notice changes in your behaviour and changes in how you're reacting things and your interests. And those are good signposts, I think, to, to yourself that you need to probably think about what's going on and whether you need some support. And I always say to people, if you're asking yourself, do I need help or do I need to talk to someone? That is your answer, uh, and 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 you know if you're having those thoughts, then then, then that is your indicator to, to speak out.
1: Yeah, and because anybody, uh, many people who are having problems or are having things that are mounting up, are very good at hiding it because they don't want to show weakness to the outside world. Mm-hmm. It it isn't a weakness; it is actually a strength to be able to have that Absolutely. conversation.
6: Absolutely it is I mean uh, being able to you know talk to people vocalize how you feel, feel is a real strength and you know resilience is about being able to bend and flex and come back to your original state you know resilience isn't you know just coping with the pressure to the point where you you snap you know you need to be able to learn to 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 reach out and speak to people to exercise to do all the things you need to do to deal with pressure that you're under because at the end of the day we all have ups and downs in life there's good times there's bad times you know.
1: Yeah, and uh, I mean, sadly, those that we have lost to, to mental health. I mean, the, the the amazing strength that they will have gone through to get to the point where they moved on from this world. I mean, that if we can channel that that inner strength back into living the life and getting through the situation that they found themselves in, actually, you've got somebody who's is going to be well rounded and ready for whatever the Absolutely. world throws at them.
6: Absolutely. When you go through tough days, tough times, you you learn a lot about yourself. And when you come through those times, you learn a lot of coping mechanisms and ways to get through. And you also remember, look, you know, I got through that difficult day. I can get through this one as well. And, you know, life is, you know, life, I I think life's beautiful. Life's amazing. There's so many highs in in life. And we have to accept that with the good days come the bad as well. But it's how we deal with those difficult days that, that really matters.
1: Well, Fitbit have done this research so we can see more of a background on where we are. The outcome is we know we need to talk. Where can we go to find out about all of this information and everything they've picked up in the survey?
6: Yes, you can head to the Fitbit website and uh, also I'll share a little bit on my socials as well if people want to have a little look at that so I can share a link on there.
1: So uh, look out for Dr. Alex George on the socials and also, as you say, Fitbit where they have got their information too. Well, Dr. Alex, thank you for joining us.
6: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. On the 24th of June at the Theatre on the Steps in Bridge North, you'll be able to experience the whole story of the small faces. The all-or-nothing experience is what will be taking to the stage. Carol Harrison is here to tell me all about the show. Hello.
3: Hello, Jason. How are you? I'm all right.
1: I trust we find you well. Uh,
3: yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, very good. Very happy to be back um, doing live shows. Back out there on the stage is fantastic after these last two years. So, I yes, know. It's brilliant. Yeah, that's,
1: that's, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, I, and you're so used to it appearing live as well, of course, uh, I think things like EastEnders, which is where many people know you from.
3: Yeah, many people do. And many other things on telly from I've been in their living rooms for the last... <laughs> Getting on fifty years, <laughs> yeah, but
1: longer than you care to remember, but not long enough for anyone. Yeah. We want yeah, more. Yeah. That's what we want. We want more. That's how it <laughs> we works.
3: Want, we want more, but we want live, and um and it's a fantastic show that we're bringing to north Theatre on the Steps on Friday, twenty fourth of June, um, and uh, the sh- the show actually was uh, is my creation. I wrote it, directed it, mm-hmm. uh, produced it, <laughs> um, and it opened. um in London in 2016 and it was a really big success and we toured it all around the country so a lot Mm. we've got a lot of fans out there already um it toured for two years and then we went into the West End um so it was a huge hit um and some people have been to see the show like 30 odd times 30 (laughs) 40 times which is brilliant so it's kind of like a family now But obviously we have this is not the whole entire Musical that was on at the West End. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called the All and I Think Experience, because this is the story um told through the music of The Small Faces, and um it's a great show. So we still have um uh the narration and the story there, but they're all are amazing iconic sound as well, and then in the second off. We have a right old sing song and these up and and do lots of the really groovy sounds of the sixties from you know the best love bands of the sixties, you know the Stones. Because
1: I mean, the, the music the, from the time is absolutely amazing. But the stories behind these bands were awesome too. And yeah, yeah. some of it's amazing how some of them managed to live through these things, isn't it? Let alone uh yeah, uh, survive to to this day as as, as as some of these acts still do. But well, where yeah. where does the story of the Small Faces come in for you? What's your to
3: it well i mean it was a it was a passion project for me because um i grew up in the east end of london
0: mm-hmm.
3: in an east ender
0: <laughs> <laughs> the
3: same place as uh, steve marriott who's the lead singer of the small faces um and so i knew him from when i was a kid
5: mm-hmm.
3: um and he was an amazing amazing talent just absolutely phenomenal um and he was also a mod which i was and once a mod always a mod absolutely um, So I wanted to tell the story about Maud, but because of my connection with Steve Marrier, he was friends with all my cousins who were a little bit older than me and they were all Mods together. And it was a no-brainer to sort of put their music to the musical that I was writing. But then, of course, their story is so fantastic. It's the classic rock and roll story of exploitation and betrayal and fights and, (laughs) you know... But at the same time, this amazing talent and, and the fact that the 60s was such a phenomenal time where, you know, they, they, everyone in was saying, oh, it's just a flash in the pan. But of course, like you said, here we are 50, 60 years later and their music is still here and we still have fantastic bands like the Stones and the Hoop and stuff. Sadly, you know, there's only one remaining small face as it were, of the original band, um, and also that was another sort of tribute to him. But the music lives on because it was it influenced so many other um, artists, like mm-hmm. Paul Weller. You know, he he's idol was Steve Marriott. He, he modelled himself on him. Steve Craddock, who's a, a good friend, who you know, the whole Britpop movement. You know, and there's always re- revival in mods. So the story is it, it's a it's a fantastic story of success you know tinged with bittersweet um but it's a true celebration of their music and you know everybody wants to dance and get up and sing and and laugh and (laughs) you know so it's a fabulous experience and the wonderful rocking night out
1: yeah and it's a part theater show part storytelling and part Mm -hmm. party i think you've got it all here haven't you
3: well, that's the way
1: to do it, and it, you know, mm-hmm.
3: we all want to, we all want a party.
1: <laughs> well, you got classic it's kids, I mean,
3: raving up this age. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, that's the way. But I mean, throwing yourself around to Ichiku Park, or uh, what are you going to do about it? And and all these songs, yeah, so all it's, the it's iconic part, songs. part yeah, part of that story though, and it, it's it's the background to how these songs came about because each of those songs, they they are storytelling songwriters, aren't they?
3: Well, they are very much influenced by like Ichiku Park was a. Uh, a bomb site that we used to play on you know that that is like it's not some great you know royal park it's <laughs> this bombsite um um and yeah they all have a story and that's what i love about them and they very much use the london language in that as well which i i'm really wanted to celebrate because you know it is my language and i still want it to be heard and spoken and and realize how colorful and funny it is as well yeah so ichiku it, Park is the story uh, it's about you know the haves and the have-nots really you know um so um and and because Steve was an actor as well and he was very much influenced by musical and he was the original originally in the um the first production of Oliver mm-hmm. um, Um, played Artful Dodger in that as well so he was very much into theatrical storytelling as well and a lot of their songs reflect that like wouldn't it be you know wouldn't it be nice to get on with my neighbours you know Lazy Thunder and stuff like that there's so much storytelling in all of their 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 music as well as this you know he had one of the the most best and blessed voices of all time Um, you know the best blue-eyed soul singer And, and I think they're you know one of the most underrated bands of the 60s but not by people in the business not by other musicians because to them they really are you know iconic.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's that split between the the mods and the, the rock and roll, the blues influences, the skiffle mm. influences, and all of those. Uh, it, it's almost as if you know, one one is the the favoured choice when it comes down to representing the sixties. But this music, you know, got going in nineteen sixty were at the heart of everything that was happening, and mm. uh, it's 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 different to to the Stones, but it is still the the same energy and it, yeah. the, the, the the sort of vibrancy that is that is there. And they're just uh, amazing tracks. And uh, it's, it's one of those things, that I yeah. These are legacy tracks, aren't they? They will live forever.
3: They will live forever, yeah. And as you know, and the fashion is very iconic of that time as well. Um, and uh, yeah, as for the sound, I mean, the, the bands at the time were all into the, the you know, listening to R and B and the, the black music at the time. And a lot of that was much more successful here than it was in the States at the time because there was segregation. And P.P. Um, P. Arnold is a good friend of mine who worked with Small Faces as well. She became much more famous here than she was in her own country in mm-hmm. the States. And so the youth, loved that music and loved all, all where it stemmed from you know the delta blues the memphis blues and all that stuff and they created like the stones and the who they created their own british type r&b sound mm-hmm. you know which is amazing you know and that's that's what we're hearing um in their songs as well as well as all the storytelling and the british influence with it as well so you know it's a it's a, heady mixture
1: really but how do we see the lineup on stage how is the story told who've you got in there
3: well we've got a lot of the the musicians from the original band Mm -hmm. um and we also have um a narrator who tells us the story is the sort of iconic mod Mm -hmm. um and and tells the story as it goes through the years and and you know Towards the time of when Steve Marriott walked out on the stage at the at the Ali Pali, <laughs> just dramatically. And that was the end of the small faces. But of course, then they went on to do these, um, have these amazing careers. He was Humble Pie with Pete Frampton and, mm. and The Faces. You Wood know, Stewart became the singer of this with The Faces. Mm. Um, Kenny was in The Who, and, and Ronnie wrote most amazing music as well. Uh, with um, Pete Townsend so yeah so it it kind of sparks that off it's, it's just you know the the music and the narration of that and dance and dancing iconic dancing and the fashion as well is all there
1: and I'm going to guess you're enjoying the fashion yourself a bit when you're part of this
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I I love the fashion. Yeah. In fact, when we did the stage show, you know, a lot of the costumes were actually from my wardrobe. <laughs> we started, you know, it was just, yeah, I think, as you say, once the mod, always the mod. So you have that, the, the fashion was, was very much part of it. And certainly being a mod is very much fashion is part of it. You know, like Stevie said, you know, you can knock my music. But not my tailor. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I think that was a really good way of, of working class people expressing themselves. You know, one of the lines I, in the show that I say is, um, you know, that they thought just because we come from a place full of bomb sites and no bathrooms, we can't have style and taste. You know, <laughs> well, we told them where to go with that one. You know, <laughs> sort of thing. so it is very much rebellion of, of, of uh, the class thinking of the time you know that is reflected in it as well
1: well you can live that rebellion and enjoy the music and the, immerse and, yeah, yourself the and period. Dance.
3: Yeah. yeah 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 it's a totally immersive experience because <laughs> we do encourage people to get up and dance and, and join in yeah definitely
1: it is all or nothing experience at the Theatre on the Steps. It's the twenty-fourth of June. Eight o'clock is when the curtain goes up. Oh one seven four six-seven six six four seven seven, the box office number, or nip along to theatreonthesteps.co.uk and you can see all that's going on. Get a little taste of the show and make sure you get yourself down there. Get your tickets books. And it's exceptionally good value for money at twenty quid. You can't say fairer than that, can you? Absolutely not. That sounds good to me. Carol Halston, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the show and uh, thank you for being part of the lives of the small faces that actually brought this to fruition from the early days.
3: Oh, well, it's my honour and pleasure. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing everyone there at the Theatre on the Steps.
1: There's plenty going on, all centred around the Stafford Gatehouse, including a Litfest and their amazing outdoor Shakespeare production. To tell me more, I'm joined now by Keith Harrison. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jace. How are you, mate? I'm all right. Are you all right keeping busy? I think last, last time I well, saw you was at uh, the Panto. Oh, yes, it was. Yes. <laughs> so uh, what is on the way? So uh, we'll come to Shakespeare in a bit, but you're very excited by Litfest in association with the University of Wolverhampton.
7: That's right. That, that's the first time we, we've done this in Stafford. And it's a, uh, a literature festival. So there's all sorts of um, events going on about centred around books and reading and poetry and story selling. And uh, as you say, it's in conjunction with the University of Wolverhampton, who are working on a big project that, that we're involved in as well. Uh, it's, it's called uh, Stafford Learning Town.
4: Mm-hmm. So
7: this is, a, this is something that's bringing together lots of, of groups and of people in, in Stafford. And the Lit Fest has got all sorts of events on. Uh, musically, we've got the band Lindisfarne. You, you might be too young to remember Lindisfarne. I, I this, have already but, so.
1: spoken to Lindisfarne about this gig. So, uh, yeah, that's on the way. Fantastic.
7: I mean, they've got some brilliant records from, I'm sure my age now, but going back to the 1970s. And so it's it's a big thing for us to have Lindy's in, and that's going to be a, a fantastic night. And that's that's say part of the, the Lit Festival. Um other events that we've got on, we've got the author, Joanna Trollope. Do you remember have you heard of Joanna Trollope? Very yep. famous author. And she's she's given a talk about her, her work. She wrote The Rex's Wife, she's had quite a few things that have been adapted for television over the years and films. And so she's, she's here, which is another big coup for the gatehouse to get someone like Joanna in town, talking about her work, talking about her life, how she came to be the, the successful author that she is now. And I think she's got a fascinating life story as well. Um, so that's, that's going to be a, a massive thing for us as, as part of these, uh, part of the events. Um, we've also got two or three plays on. we've got a fascinating play called The Second Best Bed, which has got great Midland connections, and it's about Shakespeare. We'll come on to Shakespeare at the castle mm-hmm. in a moment. Um, but that when Shakespeare died, he left his his wife Anne Hathaway only one thing in his will, which is bizarre, and that was the second best bed. And <laughs> nobody quite knows why that was. Um, so, uh, so this is a, a play looking at that and looking at the. Uh, the, the ins and outs of, of why the bard only left this this woman who was the lover of his life allegedly all he left her in his world was the second best bed maybe it was an in joke we don't know but the play explores that and I think that's a, again that's a, a fascinating thing but, but what We've are the dates got, for the
1: whole literature festival then?
7: The Lit Fest runs on the 20th to the 22nd of May so it's coming up uh, not this weekend what are we not this weekend not next weekend the weekend after so starts really two weeks today and um, and with a, with a programme of events there, and like I said, there's all sorts of things going on around the town. If, if you Google Stafford Lit Fest, you'll see a whole raft of, uh, of things. Um, we've got on Friday the 20th on the opening night, we've got a play downstairs. A, a base, again, this is a fascinating story. Based on a true story of the night that Agatha Christie went missing mm-hmm. and nobody knew, and, and it was almost like an Agatha Christie mystery Um but actually, it was true life. So somebody's written a play about this now, about the night that Agatha Christie went missing, and and looked at what actually happened because there was a big drama about it. It was it was headlines in the news at the time. Mm-hmm. Famous crime writer goes missing, and um, so the the play is called "Where Is Missus Christie?" And I th- again, I'm really looking forward to that because I think it's a novel idea in more ways than one.
1: Yeah, yeah it certainly doesn't time with the Doctor Who episode, which tried to explain it with giant wasps. It's not that, is it?
7: Oh well, you, you, maybe maybe you're ahead of me there. But I don't watch Doctor Who. <laughs> Last time I watched Doctor Who, it was Tom Baker. So, well, yeah,
1: so uh, I, 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 yeah, I have to admit I haven't seen it since the David Tennant days properly. I don't think, but uh, yeah. Uh, it, so the, 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 they touched on that, but I think it's probably less scientific than the uh, the, the play. The play's going to be a bit more grounded, I'm going to guess.
7: Maybe she wasn't. Maybe she was in the TARDIS. But that, yeah, no, I think I think, a possibility. The, um, <laughs> I think the I think the the, uh, the plays a bit more grounded than that, but it, it's a fascinating story. And then the other event that we've got is, is again, a, a fascinating story. It's called Posting Letters to the Moon. Mm-hmm. And these are based on the true uh, life letters between Celia Johnson. Now, you Remember Celia Johnson, the actress, Brief oh, yeah. encounter? Uh-huh. And her husband, Peter Fleming, who, again, was, was famous at the time. And these, he was based out in, uh, in, in the Far East during the war. And these are her wartime letters. And they're actually read by her daughter and um, so they've put together a play based on this called posting letters to the moon which is again and it, it's a fascinating snapshot not just about this love story between somebody who was a famous very famous actress at the time and her husband who was serving in the war um but also about the the social life at the time, you know, the, the, how society was during mm-hmm. wartime in the, in the war years. So, again, that, I think that is a fascinating thing. That's called Posting Letters to the uh, to the Moon. That's on the Sunday night, the 22nd of May. That's one of the things that closes the, the Lit Fest. But earlier on in the day, on the Saturday, we've got a poetry slam. We've got storytelling. There's all sorts of things going on at the Gatehouse on that weekend. And I say it's, it's all in conjunction with the University of Wolverhampton, which is our prime sponsor down here. And those links between staff and Wolverhampton, we get loads of people coming up to the gatehouse from Wolverhampton. Uh, one of my favorite cities and uh, a place I know very well. So yeah it's uh, that link is is getting stronger by the uh, by the weeks really that, that we've got there with uh, with Wolverhampton.
1: Absolutely search out for the Stafford literature Festival or nip along to staffordgatehousetheatre.co.uk and you can see details of all the events and get yourself along to those pick something and be part of that sound like a, a fantastic event. but something I'm really looking forward to is the outdoor Shakespeare festival uh, all taking place at the wonderful Stafford Castle. 24th of June to the 9th of July, and it is amazing. It, 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 it is the, uh, the the jewel in the crown of the Stafford Gatehouse calendar.
7: It absolutely is, and uh, tickets for it are, are flying out, and we've sold nearly five and a half thousand tickets so far. Um, the the capacity is about eleven thousand. We've changed lots of things uh, this year. I'll come on to it in a minute, but mm-hmm. it's it's very unusual for us to have sold so many tickets at this stage. I don't think it's ever happened before. Uh, and so that is, a, that is a huge vote of confidence. And I think, again, it shows that People are, are really keen after what, everything that happened with COVID because this show was, was meant to take place in 2020. Then mm-hmm. it was 2021. And obviously COVID put the, the mockers on, on those two events. So we've got people now have been waiting three years to see this show. And it's <laughs> almost like there's been a great unleashing of feeling that people can't wait to get up there, back up to the castle and see it. And as you say, you know, I've been... With, this is the 30th anniversary of um, Stafford Shakespeare um, events up at the castle. And as a Stafford chap who's lived here for 30-odd years, uh, I remember going to the very first one. Uh, (laughs) uh, But I've probably been to about 20 of these. And and if you've never been before, as Jason says, this is the highlight of the year for, for everybody in Stafford. And we get now people coming from all over the country. I put something out on Facebook last week about just about how tickets were going and one or two things. And there were people responding from the Isle of Wight, from Scotland. Um, Somebody uh, got in touch to say they're coming over from Bruges. You know, this is a huge event and, and it's a massive thing for the town now because people are saying to us, can we recommend hotels? What are good restaurants? So, you know, to get all these people here and to get a real buzz about it, I was down in London a couple of weeks ago. And when um, some sort of showbiz event, you know, <laughs> as you they know. are. And uh, and when I said where I was from, the first thing they said was, when, when's your Shakespeare Festival taking place? And this was, you know, this was, they didn't know much about the Gatehouse, they didn't know that much about Stafford, but what they knew about was that we had this brilliant Shakespeare Festival. So I think that's how the, the, the buzz about it is, is spreading now. This was down in the West End and and out of the blue, somebody, somebody found out and said, you know, how's it? How's the this? When's the Shakespeare festival? I mean, so I think it's getting a lot more national exposure now. Um, we've had you know TV companies saying that they want to come up and do some filming when we when we uh, when we get the set up there, and it's a huge effort just to get the set up there. It's currently being built in a, um, a storage facility in mm. Stafford, and so we're we're what two months out, and the guys have been working on this set for two weeks already. So you know, you can imagine how big it is, and the the effort and the operation to move it from the storage facility up the hill yeah, to that, a castle—that is hard a to walk than walk up when you're on your yeah, own. Oh, it, yeah. it, 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 there were these things were designed to be difficult to get to. Yeah, uh, you know, up the hill, and um, so it's it's a, a hell of an operation, really, to to see it in place. But as I say, this year we've made lots of changes. And we've used the time, the the couple of years that we've had off to just rethink how we do a few things. So in terms of the facilities, this is a big thing. I'll start off. I'll start off at the bottom. Literally, the toilets have been improved um, and they they are now sort of all singing, all dancing, fancy toilets. The best toilets apparently you could get for an outside (laughs) event. So that's a big thing. We're doing the, um, uh, the the Bar and Catering is by uh, the Post House Bar and Grill. If anybody's been in Stafford, they'll know that, that um, the Post House uh, is, is probably the uh, uh, top restaurant in, uh, in Stafford, certainly an events company. So we're one of their first events. They're doing the Latitude Festival, which is a big music festival down south. Again, they're doing national events, but they're doing ours as well. So... That's going to be great because everything is is, uh, will be first class there that they're doing. And um, other things we've changed. We've changed the layout of the seating now. So it used to be, once upon a time, we had three in a bit of a horseshoe. Now it's in a sort of shallow V. So the stage, which is 25 metres wide, will come across... But the actors will almost, when they're at the apex of that, they'll almost be in among the crowd, sort of thing, because you've got better sight lines. People are in among it. You're a lot closer to the action, and of course, with uh, with it being Romeo and Juliet, there's a lot of action. You know, there, there <laughs> is. The, I don't want to give away any plot spoilers, but you know, that there is a lot of action in it. There's a I, lot I think of it. after oh, five
1: hundred I... years, that is allowed to be fair. But <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. it's it's not a
7: happy ending.
1: No, let, let, we we know that bit, but it's it's the journey as well, which is the important bit, and and the fact that the, the the setting for this is going to be interesting too.
7: Yes, I, I mean it's obviously the um, the set is is as I say it's huge, and you've got the balcony, we've got other things, and it's a really interactive set actually. Talking to the guys we're putting together and the production manager, there are lots of surprises in this set. So obviously, when you've got a, a set like that, it needs to be adaptable throughout the the course of the play but some of the some of the features in this and some of the clever use of space and the clever uses of of design are are just far above anything i think i've ever seen up at the castle Mm -hmm. and the imagination the creativity that's gone into it this year is just incredible it's being directed by a guy called tim ford and tim has directed um shakespeare plays outdoor plays all over the country and these days, he also happens to be the manager of the Gatehouse Theatre, so he's my boss. But uh, that's not just why I'm saying he's really good. But he's very experienced. He's got loads and loads of good ideas. And we've also got a, an award-winning musical director for it as well. And they were playing me some of the music the other day. So it, I can't give too much away about it, but the music is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's a sort of medieval take on modern music if I can say that, and I think it's one of those things where you're listening to it and you think, hang on, this is that, <laughs> you know, and it's, and so it's a real, but it's played on traditional instruments and it's it's absolutely brilliantly done. It just sits in with the period of the time, but also it will make people smile because they have a recognition of knowing that actually this is that song from the <laughs> 1980s, you know, so some 80s classics in there in a way that you've never heard them before, but it's set in the, um, it's a traditional dress. so It's not a modern dress. And it's a uh, yeah, it's a, a, a fascinating um, setup. So we're all looking forward to it.
1: That is going to be amazing. Of course, you've got the rest of the programming events which take place at the Gatehouse week in, week out as well. going to be difficult to go through all of those, but chuck me a couple of highlights and let me know what Panto is going to be this year as well.
7: First of all, I mean, we've we've got some comedy always goes well at the Gatehouse. We've got Rod Gilbert coming up. We've got Gary Delaney who's sold out as well. I mean, these, these shows, these comedy shows sell out in the blink of an eye. Um, and we've got comedy in the Met, which is normally on a, a Friday night and sells out. We've got it on a, a Wednesday night uh, in a couple of weeks time because we've got the Lit Fest of the weekend. Mm-hmm. So if you, you're looking for your, your Friday fix of comedy, it's on a Wednesday this month in, in May. And that's a brilliant thing, comedy in the Met. What we do is nobody ever knows the names of the comedians who are going to turn up. But they, so they appear and you're thinking, well, who is it? Sometimes they fly very much by the seat of their pants. But they turn up and you can have some really big names there they've been in there down the years or they'll just be people who are just on the up sort of thing and, and trying out new material sarah Milliken is somebody who comes in on a fairly regular basis and she brings um, some comics with her as well they do a show called playground i don't know if you've heard about this and again that they they come in and they try out new material and sarah brings you know, some huge huge comedians who, who play the big arena at the auditorium upstairs And people flock, these tickets again, sell out really quickly. So if you see on the website, anything playground, get in there quick because they will sell out within half an hour. (laughs) Um, Other big events that we've big shows we've got coming up. We've got a fantastic Neil Diamond show. Hello again, Neil Diamond. Mm -hmm. I'm a, Big, big Neil Diamond fan. I think he's fantastic. It's not just Sweet Caroline. There are so many other songs that, that he's done that, that he's just one of the greatest songwriters of all time for me. So I'm a massive Neil Diamond fan. That's on the 14th of May. Um, and then on the 19th, we've got one of the first really big dance shows uh, of the year, which is uh, Dracula, which is uh, Vortes Dance Company. And again, it's set to modern music, some traditional music, some classical music but also people like um, Lou Reed, Philip Glass, and visually the pictures of this and the the video that we've seen, it is just mind-blowing to have a show like that in Stafford. It is you'd think you would be anywhere in the West End. So that show is up on um, Thursday the the 19th of May, and that is an amazing... And, of course, it's Dracula, which is a brilliant story. Larry Dean is on. I don't know if you've heard of Larry Dean. He's another great rising comic. He's on in The Met in a couple of weeks' time. Lindisfarne. And then, again, another one talking about great singer-songwriters. On the 28th of May, we've got The Bowie Experience, and oh. you know he, every you know just just rattling through the, the Bowie tunes that that they put together and they do the full thing they just run through his career really from from A to Ziggy as they say I don't know why <laughs> they say from ashes to ashes to Ziggy but I think it goes backwards from there but um that's going to be absolutely fantastic as well so we've got that then we're into the Lit Fest and uh, and then yeah we're coming into uh, Romeo and Juliet but you're asking about the um, uh, the pantomime. It's always year. worth teasing Panto. Um,
1: absolutely worth teasing Panto. Uh,
7: Jace, you are invited to come to the ball. Okay, uh, and it's Cinderella. <laughs> hey,
1: so that's going to be a good one. <laughs> it's, it's everyone. Uh, that is one of the the, the top pantos. I mean, it, I, the, the, I, I, the, I the, there are often not many different varieties of Panto, but Cinderella is one of those that absolutely shines every time, isn't it?
7: Yeah and again after what after after what we did last year with Snow White which was as you know uh, you came to see it I know I and, did. and I hope you liked it. I did very um, much. it was it was absolutely brilliant so we've set the bar high there in the past 12 months and now uh, Cinderella we've said to the production team look you've got to go big and so we're talking some huge names to be in it this year and uh, we're all very excited about who we're going to get. I think Stafford's got a great reputation now because people love coming to the Gay Towns. It's a lovely theatre, a lovely town. They know it's going to be packed audiences. And everything is geared up. So I think it's one of those things whereby the cast are looking at it and saying... Stafford's a really great place to go and spend because obviously the cast are here for four or five weeks too in the show yep. over Christmas. It's a big thing for them. And the fact that they, they like the town and it's a nice place and there's nice bars and restaurants and the gatehouse is a great place, I think that's, that serves as well in attracting big names. Obviously, we had Maureen Nolan, Rebecca Keatley, Keith Jack last year. So we're, we're hoping for the people of that ilk again. And some of the names they're talking to, I am like, wow. Please, yes, let's get these people in because it'll just be a, a fantastic, fantastic thing for us. But again, we just know that the production values—again, the production values of the pantomime are far beyond really what what we should have um, for a, a theatre of this size in the the provinces in in uh, in England. And I think you know what we what we're putting together is absolutely first-class show that would stand it stand up against something you'd get down in London or in one of the big cities, and it's here on your doorstep in Stafford.
1: So, yeah, and I know people love going to all of the different pantos in the area. They head off to Wolverhampton, Stafford, they head up to Stoke to the rear, and they head into Brum too. So if you can fit in four or five pantos at Christmas, you're going to have an absolutely amazing time. Yours runs from the 9th of December through to the 31st, and uh, yeah, finishing off on New Year's Eve, and uh, that must be brilliant fun for everybody too.
7: Yeah, I, and I know because I mean I love the Grand. I've been going to the Grand for years, and I know that they used to have one of the longest running pantos in England, didn't they? And they carried it on to about two or three weeks into into January. I think with ours, we, we get to New Year's Eve. It's a big finish on on New Year's Eve, and yeah, that that again, the, the New Year's Eve one that the the Snow White just had, the place was packed. There was a massive send-off. Every stand innovation, all the cast loved it. It was amazing. So we're looking for the same again this year. It's funny that the people come in the first night, they come on the last night, and certain people, quite a few people actually last time, they came two or three times during the run. I kept seeing people asking, I say, didn't you come last week? And they say, yeah, we're bringing my auntie this time or we're bringing grandma, or we're bringing the kids. So that's that, again, is, is a great thing about it and uh, yeah Christmas it seems mad doesn't it what are we in May and we're, we're, we're talking about you've got, Christmas you've got a
1: plan for Christmas so this is the time to get your tickets it'll be uh, honest you before you know it yeah and
7: well, uh, the thing is know. if you buy your tickets now you, when you get to Christmas they're all they're all paid for you know you don't have to that's
1: pay it pay. yeah and uh, you can you can gift wrap them for Christmas as well and and no then idea. yeah do, 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 at start of Advent there's one of your Christmas presents and it's yeah Panto tickets it should be good right StaffordGatehouseTheatre.co.uk see the full line up there we will be talking more once you've got your Panto cast all lined up and I'm hoping to come in and meet them as we have done previously and uh, it should be an absolutely fantastic time meanwhile though your Lit Fett's on the way your Shakespeare's on the way and these are all amazing events very much looking forward to it Keith Harrison of the Stafford Gatehouse thank you for joining us
7: thank you Jace.
1: that's a lot for this week thank you so much for joining me back with episode 673 next week I'll see you then to wrap it goodbye from the mill bar
0: Goodbye from the milk bar, goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar, yeah, goodbye from the milk bar, yeah.